when it got connected to the economic aspect of it, I was like, yep, fuck this lady. <laughs> That's the final nail in the coffin. I'm pressing yeah, record. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gangster. <laughs> Right, listeners and my co-host, everybody alike, welcome back to Girls Talk Fucking Comics. Maybe I shouldn't cuss in this episode. Probably not. Yeah, probably shouldn't cuss in an episode about a children's <laughs> comic called Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> yep. Hey, Aaron. What's up? What's up, Jessica? What's your handle? I... I'm the master of mediocrity. Who are you? Hey, I'm allegedly a lieutenant of literature, but I don't feel very literary today. So we'll see how this goes. I'm feeling wonderfully mediocre, so I'll make up for that. <laughs> there we go. Do you want me to to sell the children's novel to the people? Do you think you can? Do you want me to foist the petard? There's a lot of names in it, probably. I have been called out, dear listener, by my master of mediocrity for being some mediocre at, at name reading. She's le- It's a legitimate critique, but it still hurts. If you give the sales pitch, I can talk about the creators. So sell away, my dear lieutenant. Now listen, way back in the age when Jim Kirby was still a thing, there was this thing called Devil Dinosaur. Now, it's very old, and so most of you probably have never heard of it and don't care. And if you have, then good for you. You are inundated with the big houses. But for those of us who didn't, somebody had decided that, you know what? We're going to take this ultra-old property, Devil Dinosaur, and we're going to give it a new protagonist, Sidekick, who's kind of taking over like the main role. And she is going to be Lunera, a black, ultra-smart preteen who is probably the smartest person in the world and will finally give us the key to unlock what the hell is going on with the Inhumans. And God, do I need that, because I've never fucking understood the Inhumans. So, will you tell me about the creators, Aaron? Sure. I will also say I, too, have never understood the Inhumans. Um, I mean, I get the concept, but yeah, we'll talk about the Terrigen Cloud later and all of that Inhuman stuff. Where I'm here to talk about authors and creators and how cool this team is. Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair, they created and designed Moon Girl. Now, my source is Wikipedia. So they wanted her to be young, they wanted her to be black. And they wanted her to be like Inspector Gadget, but less bumbling, less campy. So they created Lunella. Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair have done a lot of different things. They've done with a lot of different publishers, I think. So they, they have a pretty solid comic career, but I really like the artists that they picked. I think it's Natasha Bustos. She's from Barcelona. And she is a person of color. I am saying she, there's very little information I could find for her with a quick little search on American sites. People are using the she, her, hers pronoun, and that's what I'm going to continue using. However, if they do use they, 
I will correct it. But they appear to be a lady type of color. And that's awesome because she is the one who created Lunella's or look. And I'm really, really glad it was a person of color who created Lunella's work and not another white person. Because Amy and Brandon, to the best that I can tell, are white. So they at least like did have a person of color creator on this team making the design and influencing it. So there you go. A little bit more about the book. It hasn't really won any awards or none that I could easily find and none that were advertised on the book. If you've heard anything, please let me know. But it is gonna be adapted into a TV show on Disney. Aww, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. But it's also very frustrating because you know what? That thing's gonna be on Disney Plus and I refuse. So that's your hot take yeah. for me. Fuck Disney, I'm not paying them money. Well, I'm also, I'm a little worried it's been delayed. So whenever I was looking it up, it kept saying it was in development or in production still with a 2020 release year. It doesn't have a date for when season one is supposed to drop. Um, it just is 2020 release. So I'm a little worried that maybe with COVID it delayed everything and they don't really have a timetable anymore or they're going to get one really last minute. And that's fine. But it's got a really cool, it's being led by a really cool team. It has Lawrence Fishburne and Helen Sugland, which is also great because they are also people of color. And so the TV series is being run by people of color, which is fantastic since Lunella is a young black girl. So that's really, really cool. And I'm excited for all of these different creative teams that are working with Lunella, Moon Girl, and our devil dinosaur. I love it. Honestly, I am not mad about what this team did to bring just enough of the history of Devil Dinosaur into the new comic. Yeah. The way that they introduced his character. They did such a good job. They give you a, like a site to go read something else if you want to see any more of Kirby's work. But if you don't give a shit, here's all you need to know have fun with our magical new yeah. protagonist that was also just a gem to read oh gosh she was so much fun to read i really like how they did not fall into that thing where it was like girl meets animal character and is instantly in love and nurses it to health it was like no fuck off dinosaur you're in my way i mean i love, I love it yeah she her reaction to the dinosaur was so amazingly like blase i mean she's in new york city so they know about the avengers um, Captain America. I think at one point she makes a joke about Captain Brooklyn, which I think is just hilarious. God, what else does she just... She's, so she's got to be around Spider-Man. I mean, totally awesome Hulk shows up. Like, they're, they're aware of X-Men and Inhumans. I mean, she's terrified of the Inhumans thing. So this dinosaur showing up and, like, picking her up and throwing her around town is probably the least worrying thing she's seen. And considering her entire motivation for the book, it is the least worrying yeah. thing she's seen. Which I guess we could talk about the Inhumans a little bit and how I know them, if you'd like for me to. Yeah, please tell me. Because I, I can tell you that her explanation and the way that she just sort of pitches it through her lens is the most sense that they've made of this whole fucking thing that I've ever read. I haven't picked up a comic that's been straight with me about what Inhumans were until she goes, hey, it was the Kree came back and fucked with our DNA. Like, that makes sense. Thank you for that. Nobody else made sense to me. Miss Marvel had no fucking idea. Like, the entire comic I read it, I was like, what the fuck is an Inhuman? No one is telling yeah. me. So yes, please educate us. Uh, trust me, what I'm going to tell you is not much more than what you just said. But Inhumans are descendants of people who had their genes modified 
about what I think she said 200,000 years ago by some alien race free whatever the case is she's a descendant of one of those people who had their genes modified now for the most part it didn't affect them until that pterogen gas started showing up and hitting these people with these inactive inhuman genes whenever the gas hits they go immediately into this cocoon where they like incubate until they come out in a beautiful inhuman butterfly with superhuman x-men like powers. I've heard that the Inhumans have a great chain. I have played the Lego Marvel games where they've had Inhuman characters and I enjoyed playing those characters in the Lego games. But that is my experience with Inhumans, is seeing the covers on comics, knowing people read the books, and Lego marbles. <laughs> Two. <laughs> That's... But yeah, whatever is going to happen, she's terrified of the change that'll happen from the Terrigan gas, which considering she's all about her own bodily autonomy, I completely respect that. It's a great allegory for other things that people in her position don't have control over in their lives. You know, it's a good, solid placeholder for more really real and startling things. If it's sex, if it's race, pick, multiply, divide, it's all there and it's a great vehicle to deal with those anxieties that real kids her age with her background might be experiencing but for different reasons i really i really enjoy it whenever they can really pull off and give the resources to people of color to create great people of color for us to to enjoy in comics and in fantasy because like that was one of the great things about this is the race wasn't an issue and like they didn't go oh it's amazing that this person it was the thing that was the issue was she's a little girl and she might be the smartest person in the world maybe she doesn't care she doesn't need to be ranked but she might be the smartest person in the world and that was before her inhuman genes like that's the part i mean like there's so many solid like just story choices yeah and that is something that i appreciate she's superhuman smart before her superhumanness comes out yeah so she for the record <laughs> for the record let it be written yeah so being a kid's book i can see why they try to be light-hearted about certainly about race issues about things like that and they they wanted to talk more about like the feeling of otherness because she is a super genius and of course they're going to talk about like super genius you don't fit in you don't have friends it's very similar to what they did with riri william and ironheart but it's definitely cutesy i love that it has that inspector gadget feel to it and considering the reality for children who are black for black children however People would prefer me to say that feedback is welcome. Race is still a conversation they have at this age. So I am more relieved that they didn't because the writers are white. And I think it'd be hard for them to navigate that conversation for children mm -hmm. because they don't understand the nuance. Like they didn't have that conversation. However, maybe they'll have that in the TV show because it is led by a black man and a black woman. So maybe they can do it yeah. and pull it together and pull it off. Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm fully there for it, both ways. There's always that, that question of, you know, do you include all of those issues in fantasy series? Do you include modern, socioeconomic, political, racial, any of those issues in a fantasy series? And some authors feel like sexism has to be baked into everything because that's the way life is. And some authors are able to sort of shake off the social coils and chains and imagine a world where it's actually egalitarian you know and i think there's a place for both 
And I would like this vehicle to be both. It, you know, like, I would like it to be socially hard-hitting in a TV show where people are physically in it. And then more fancy free and footloose in a comic book. I think that's the appropriate place for both of those conversations. Like, I, I like that. Because Grimdark in comics is so over yeah. now. Like, I just want it to be gone. I want fun Spider-Man comics for people. And then a more heavy-hitting Grimdark TV show. So what I want in the world. Definitely. I would like to deep dive about that on a title that's not a kid's book. But yeah. I do think it's, you know, it is it is important we have those conversations and balanced ways. And Marvel has a lot of other things that they could kind of talk about. Issues with diversity and prejudice and racism. I mean, X-Men is a fair example of that. And Humans is another example of that. Uh, so they already kind of bake that in by talking about Inhumans. So maybe that'll come out in some of the later volumes if we decide to keep reading it. I think I would like to keep reading it. It's cute. So it, it feels like a, more of a palate cleanser for me. Exactly, and that's kind of where I'm coming from on the, like, place for it, because I think if it's, because it's specifically for kids, like, I don't think the kids have to only be given lenses that are heavy and grim and dark. Like, I, I, I really believe that there's a place for, like, Lumberjanes and Moon Girl and Dinosaur, Devil Dinosaur, like, in the world doing good by, like, just baking in decency instead of instead of having to fight for it, you know? I really like that for children's literature. I do too, now that we've talked about it a little bit more. I Like, this is such a cute book. And the devil dinosaur, he acts like a dog who's a T-Rex. And I think everybody deserves to have that fantasy of having a pet T-Rex. And so, you know, it is, it's got to be nice for anybody to read something and have a character that looks like them. And has the same interests and be like, I can live in this fantasy world and it's a safe place. And so I'm, I like, I'm totally cool with them not talking about issues that she and her family may have experienced over race. And I'm totally fine with them just being like, Inhumans are really, you know, we don't really know what that means yet. And it could be anybody as an Inhuman. Um, and it, it does kind of give that safety net or that distancing for the reader from any injustices a character might experience from race. And so I'm cool with that. Definitely because it is for children. And everybody needs escapism. Yeah. So, and it's definitely and it a kid's doesn't infantilize book. her either. I think they do a good job making her a legitimate character who's trying to exercise agency. I think that's what the whole book yes. is about, is just her journey trying to maintain agency. Which is so central to growing up, you know? And I feel like that was a smart choice. Yes. Like, that's a very approachable choice for anyone to touch and, and do it in a lighthearted way. Because, like, there's a solution to that when you get yeah. older. You know, like, there's, you do get some agency as you get older. So being old, looking back, you can deal with it in a fun, fantastical way and still give it, like, the gravitas it needs in order to hit i just yeah and the puppy dog t-rex is just my favorite i love him so much the final shot of this volume is like reason enough to buy the hard like the like i just want the hard copy because of that final shot like i want that on my wall it's so sad and poetic and poignant and i (sighs) i want a devil dinosaur 
I love the fact that her parents, and so again, it is about agency because everybody around her is like, can you just be normal? Can you just conform, please? And she's like, uh, I'm smarter than all of you, so no. And I love it because she's always constantly like, why is no one listening to me? And I'm like, that's a very relatable thing about elementary school. That's a feeling I remember having and I still experience a little bit. And I, I love that she just meets this dinosaur and this dinosaur is immediately like, of course, rampaging with her through the city. But then after that is like, you're the only person I know and you're, you seem kind and I want to be your friend and like looks for her all excitedly. And it's just wonderful that all they want is for her to have a friend and then she does and it's devil dinosaur like it's so cute because of everybody who's got her back devil dinosaur like immediately becomes a ride or die immediately steps up for her more than anybody else did tries to protect her tries to rescue her (laughs) tries to keep her safe even that again that ending scene is just it's a great cliffhanger But in one of those ways that you know she's safe, you just don't know who she'll become afterwards. Yes. And it's, it, gosh, the way they drew Devil Dinosaur and the way they drew her, I mean, she's just cute as heck and Devil Dinosaur is cute as heck and expressive as heck and it's, it's good. It's a nice little palate cleanser. She does not take any shit. Oh, not at all. And I fucking love her for that. I honestly... Like, some of her dialogue, I want tattooed on my body. Speaking of tattoos, though, the quotes that they put at the beginning of every issue just snaps for this team. Like, it was like, they were yep. all science and, like, inspirational, but also children-oriented. So, it's like, kids, enjoy STEM. Look at Moon Girl. She's badass. You can yeah. be badass, too. Make crazy roller skates in your closet. I fucking love it. They did so yeah. many cool things. Like, this was just, yeah, palate cleanser for sure, mm-hmm. but just a joy. Just a joy to read. Like, I, I read this so quickly because I just So there didn't are two things stop. about it that I really liked. I liked that there wasn't any blood in the entire comic because she did want to stick to being smarter than her opponents than being more mm-hmm. violent. And I really loved her Simon Says Pop toy weapon where she, like, flings it out and it sprays the bad guys with pop and they're like, oh, God, we're sticky and we're going to run away. Um, I think that's just delightful. It's just so, again, it kind of has that Inspector Gadget feel of I just have springy roller skates and I'm going to escape from the Natural Museum with my springy roller skates. And it's practically the worst, in all practicality, one of the worst items you could possibly have because there's no stability. But it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, honestly, I'm going to add on a third thing because I love those two things. But the third thing that I loved and found myself really, really appreciating, that wasn't the devil dinosaur, that wasn't the adorable protagonist, but the bad guys. The fucking bad guys were amazing for this. It made me feel safe like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles used to. Or like Powerpuff Girls used to. It was these bad guys that were just kind of dumb, but like way athletic to make up for it. And also kind of toothless, you know? Yeah. Just idiotic gummy monkey men running around causing havoc. And just the co- the physical comedy. But she basically is like, no, you better run at one point. Like that quote where she's just like, you better run out of here. Don't walk in, run. That, no, just, that was delightful. I was just like, like, goodness, she's coming into it. 
I she's actually coming into her own. She's mixing it up. She's feeling her power. <laughs> I actually thought that the villains were super, super smart because they started learning English. I mean, they are like cavemen, yeah. Neanderthal. They're they're not even Homo sapien <laughs> cultists, essentially, who travel into the future mm-hmm. and instead of just absolutely flipping out they become they, they become a street gang who controls an area of new york city like in a week <laughs> and they've learned hodgepodge pretty effective english through observation <laughs> like that's amazing skills and powers and it's i wonder if they're like the initial inhumans kind of things um but they're yeah, incredibly I wondered that too. perceptive and I, I mean it makes it a little bit more silly because they it's they immediately like yeah. fit in and so they're they're neanderthals running around in modern new york city clothing with like a bag as a hat but the fact that they could do so much in such a short little time i'm like these are effective villains they're effective villains yeah yeah i agree with the effectiveness i also love the scene where they pick up the first bits of English in the subway because the way that they framed the eye shots and the scenery shots kind of put into mind those TV shows where they're like boom 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 back and forth back and forth and like every time you see the eyeballs you laugh a little harder Uh, it was like such great comedic timing in a comic and I'm like good for you for pulling that off there was no page turn involved. It was just one sheet of comedy gold. I also like the idea of that same scene that they're just standing in a shadowy corner and people aren't noticing them as they're just like making uka noises at each other and arguing and they're just completely <laughs> covered in hair, just staring out at these crowds and just no one notices them. Not even hiding behind a corner. They're just standing Welcome in a shadow, to New York. I guess. <laughs> like, but no, it's definitely something that I would I recommend to parents for their kids, both boys and girls. Because I think kids that are growing up nowadays are exposed to a lot of things that make it a lot easier to refer this comic to people. And definitely when people have younger children and they come in wanting something... It's a bit more palatable to someone under the age of eight. It has action, it has adventure, but it doesn't have blood and violence. It doesn't have a a lot of dialogue that uses a lot of heady language. Um, I recommend Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur even before I read it because I knew it was written for children. But it's totally one if you have like a young kid who's getting into comics in your life. I would recommend that comic to them. So, what did you think of the women in it? I kind of liked the diversity a little bit. Like, there were there were a lot of different archetypes involved. There was, you know, like, the precocious young preteen protagonist. And then you had the kind of teacher figure who's supposed to be smarter than her in science, who was just like her like her heel, you know, in science class, acting like she's the dumb one. And she's just like, oh, you have no idea what I know. And then, like, the mom who's sort of making shushing noises to her dad when he uses the word normal in the wrong context. I thought they were pretty, pretty well done. I mean, you know, like, all of the women seem to have recurring roles 
And I don't actually, I don't remember seeing a lot of dudes. There were maybe, like, two dudes that had a lot of recurring roles that weren't, like, small children, you know? And then there was, like, that cast of kids. But then, the, you know, just the Hulk, you know what I mean? Like, but, like, I liked sort of, there were only, like, three women that I can think of in this. And I really liked all of them for different reasons. I don't know, what do you think? I think there are definitely more men than women. And there are definitely more men in lead roles. I mean, they had totally awesome, awesome Hulk. They had the head Neanderthal cultist was a guy with only one girl on their team. There were just more like male voices, like the kids who bullied her and her dad and stuff. But the women who were there, who were involved, which was mostly her mom, had a, they did a lot of stuff. Like her mom had a lot of interactions with her. And I really, I enjoyed that. But I think it kind of reflected where they wanted to have Lunella at. Where instead of being, you know, an adult who sympathizes, I mean, she's actively calling everybody dumber than her because she's not really met a peer or a friend yet. And so she's kind of that like, I mean, she is looked down upon, like, don't get me wrong. The adults don't exactly treat her the best, in my opinion. But she also has that kind of self-centeredness that comes with being the stereotype that comes with being a genius child. So, uh... Yeah. I don't think a lot of characters were given the opportunity to express themselves besides Lunella, and that's mm -hmm. fine. So I think, like, Lunella is my favorite character, but my favorite part of the book is the relationship that I know is going to form between Lunella and Devil Dinosaur, only because Devil Dinosaur is precious and persistent. Agreed. Yeah. But I will say, I think I'm a speciesist. I didn't even count the... Neanderthals. I didn't even count. I was like, they're oh, not people. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't even think about them. Yeah, so I'm an asshole, yeah. but <laughs> uh, write me down for speciesism because look I'm... Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even register. Okay, so here's, here's two things that I want to talk about that I really enjoyed about this. Just flipping through, trying to look at eight men's faces. When the cops were like, how are we going to track a dinosaur? And the apes were like, look, footprints. <laughs> Jack down the dinosaur because of the big asphalt footprints. Ah, oh, I fucking love that uh, so much. Such a delightful <laughs> humor. Oh, gosh. Like... And then the second thing that I really wanted to mention, because we haven't mentioned it yet, is her badass lab that she's got going I on know. under the school. She's like, ferreted herself out this legit bat cave her, when she was crawling through the vents i was just like girl you're gonna hit a growth spurt and that ain't gonna work anymore but like i love this babysitter club treehouse thing going on under your school like i'm all about your dexter's lab underneath your school mm -hmm. rather than in your house somewhere magically like love it exactly love it I mean, I'll be honest, like, if we decide to continue with it, that'll be fine. But if we decide to not continue with it, that'll also be fine. Because I do enjoy Lumberjanes a lot, and I feel like they're kind of pretty on par. We could still do both. I don't know. We could talk about it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaurs for a bit younger than Lumberjanes. And that might be why I'm not as excited about reading it. Still, I think I'm going to go back and read this again at some point, just because it's kind of comforting and simple. It's definitely something I recommend for people with seven-year-olds 
No, it is. I actually, I feel like I've read this before. I think I have it in single copies. But reading it again, I think I appreciated the humor and age appropriateness of it a lot more. And that might just be that life's harder right now with everything going on. Or it might just be that I needed the mental health break more this time than I did when I originally read it. It's a real... You said palate cleanser. I think it's a mental health break. I don't know. Like, I think... I think there's good in the world still, right? Yeah, it's Hello, there. Anyone it's there. Listening? Are you out there? Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> exactly. But this is a joyful comic. I would be interested in reading another volume of it, mostly because I want to see what her final form looks like. But also, I want to see if they start really hammering in that preteen against the establishment. I want to see her go toe-to-toe with the Hulk again. Like, after evolution. I want to see her, like, put him in his place. Bruce Banner, you being a dick. Like, round two, ding-ding, motherfucker. Like, I want that I in volume two. I don't think that so was Bruce Banner. if that's Banner. not in volume two, then I'm okay with not rating volume three. I think that was Amadeus Cho. Is, wait, is there a different Hulk? There is a different Hulk. <laughs> hey, whatever. Okay. Okay, so there's... This is why I don't read Marvel! Because there's so much fucking going on. So there's still Bruce Banner. Like, you're not wrong. He's just, like, immortal or invincible Hulk. Whereas this one was totally awesome Hulk, who was a different Hulk. So, but they exist in the same timeline in the universe, I think. I don't know. That makes a lot more sense, actually. Because I was like, man, they are characterizing this guy all wrong. So now I'm feeling a lot better about his characterization <laughs> in the fucking comic. He was also so much younger than Bruce Banner is. Like, he was a teenager, which made it even worse for me. Because I'm like, you're a teenager, totally awesome Hulk. Why are you punching down at an eight-year-old? Like, what the fuck? Mr. I'm the eighth smartest person in the world. <laughs> Bitch, you 15. Like, get out of my face. You in high school. Okay, that makes total sense that he would be the guy they called in. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Master of Mediocrity, for illuminating the, the Marvel backstories for me. I'm here for you. Also, we should probably say what the title of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 1 is. It's BFF, so that I know it's the end of the episode, but if that gives you an idea of the tone, like, this is the Best Friends Forever Volume, Volume 1. I'd be Devil Dinosaur's best friend forever. I love him. Hell yeah. I think it's time to end this episode, because... I don't think there's anything more positive I could say. <laughs> yeah, I've used all of the good words. I've used all the good words. I have no more. Run out of good words. All right, well, thank you for joining us today. Bye. Bye. We should never record after 10 p.m. again. This is high. This is high quality entertainment. Is the hair? Is that some Harry Potter shit? I fucking love that. <laughs> I I have been actively avoiding it. I I, I watched um, Nostalgia Chicks. Uh, oh God, what's her real name? Lindsay Ellis. Anyway, I watched her video about um, death of the author, and it's sort of basically solidified for me that I don't fuck with J.K. Rowling anymore and I really didn't need Harry Potter that much so like I'm not even really talking about my house very much anymore 
I'm just done, kind of, because it's just like, nope, no turf zone. I'm not, I mean, is, uh, yeah. Lindsay Ellis is, yeah, like, we just keep killing him in our imagine. No, I, I read the entirety of the Orson Scott card, um, whatever the fuck, series. <sighs> yeah, but, like, it keeps going into, like, Ender's no longer a kid. It gets real weird. But, um, I kept reading, because why not? And, um, didn't really find that. It didn't find out, like, the nature of his assholery until later, when I was in college. And, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, that's not, it's not great. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that Lindsay, th like, was talking about that really, because I, because up until, like, I don't know, the video was pretty long. The first couple of minutes, I was like, yeah, it's a tough situation. But then she kept talking about how the ones that are still alive are actively using this fame and power to implement their bullshit on the world. Like, they're leveraging that money and power that they're getting from the social influence still into real damaging action for these for these people who are marginalized that they've decided that they're going to attack like that part of it really like cut the like emotional cord in my heart i was like yeah billionaires are bad all billionaires are bad including the author billionaires that i used to love like hashtag eat the rich so but yeah whenever whenever it got connected to the <laughs> When it got connected to the economic aspect of it, I was like, yep, fuck this lady. <laughs> That's the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> get, get, oh, whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm pressing record. Get. I'm gangster. <laughs> There's that street, good. Get, get. get That's get. not, it's not how that works. <laughs> like, it's not. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I feel like it is. Close, but there's a lot about us all right when are we clapping i'm feeling yeah, yeah. <laughs>